Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Have you ever had this happen when you come home and your kids have left the air conditioning on and they're not home? But the back door's open? Oh my, why don't you just let all the air out, you know, and you have it running. So, my gosh, used to drive me crazy, those kids, all the time, having to have every light on. You know what I was going to do today? And I decided, I asked my wife, I go, what if I did this? She goes, no, because I'm not used to you that way. I was going to shave off my mustache, and I always keep a tight beard, and shave it all off, come out clean, but wear the mask, walk out, and then take the mask off and see if anybody would notice. Would you have noticed? You would have? But then see what would have happened. You would think I was like 19 again and stuff like that. <laughs> and so I didn't want to do that, okay? Well, today we're going to talk about, uh, it's Father's Day, by the way, in case you didn't remember. Amen. Thank you. Happy Father's Day to all you out there, too. And all the out there in TV land, watch me online. Um, we're still in the pandemic. We're still in the regulations and guidelines. So, you know, that's what we're doing until we get uh, free and clear of this thing. But we're going to talk today about dads. And, I, you know, every year when it comes to Mother's Day and Father's Day, it's always, okay, what am I going to say this year? Um, what's the story I'm going to use? Because I like to use Bible stories and I like to tell the stories. And I like to bring out certain things, especially one specific idea. And uh, this, this year God gave me this idea of dads, imperfect perfection. And you may think, that's a weird title. Well, it will make sense as we go along, because dads are imperfect perfection. Now, let me just tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to give you an intro, and then I'm going to give you four, four truths about fathers from the life of Noah, who's a dad, and then we're going to read the story of after Noah comes out of the ark, something goes wrong, and then from there, we're going to draw three more ideas or mistakes that one of the sons makes towards his father. Because I want to make sure that we leave with something that really sticks to our ribs and something that is helpful. So let me begin with a story to start to try to explain my title. Um, how many of you remember, because I think they built it in 67, and some of you weren't even alive. I wasn't either. I read about it. But in 67, I think they took it out in around 1984, 85, 86, 87, somewhere in there. But I used to love this ride at Disneyland. It was called Monsanto. Anyone remember Monsanto? Raise your hand if you remember Monsanto. Raise your hand. Hi. How many remember that? Okay, good. That just means they're really old people like myself. Okay. Now, okay, Monsanto. Reggie, you don't remember Monsanto? Quit. Then why don't you raise your hand? See, he's a rebel. But that's another thing about Reggie. But anyway, so Monsanto. Let me tell you the rest of you what you missed out on. Monsanto, you'd get in these little cars. It was two to a car. And they take you through what was this giant microscope. And in there, they were going to shrink you down smaller and smaller and smaller to microscopic levels where it got, you got so small that you saw the world differently. And the narrator was narrating as you went along. And I remember one of the things the narrator would say. As I'm 11 years old, the first time in the ride, he said... As you get smaller and smaller, because these images, he says, nothing is as solid as it appears. And then they show you images now that once were solid, and you see how porous they now are, because you're at microscopic level. And then you shrink smaller, and remember the pulsating atom? Remember that pulsating atom in the ride? That you're shrinking down to the inner space 
inside of an atom and, and then he starts to panic like, will I ever make it back? And I'm 11 and go, we got to make it back, you know? And then they bring you back to size, etc., etc. But I never forgot the statement. Nothing is as solid as it appears. I think that pertains to fathers. Because your dad, when you were younger, your dad was the best dad, right? Your dad could beat up everybody else's dad, right? Any amens? My dad, can, he can push up 100 pounds. My dad's strong. My dad can do all these things. And then you get a little bit older as you leave childhood when dad's perfect. He can do everything right. And then you get to a certain age, especially maybe in the teenage years and beyond, you start to see the cracks and the flaws in your father. Your dad who was perfect, now you see imperfections. Your dad who was solid, now he's not as solid as he once appeared to be, like in the Monsanto ride. But that's true of everyone. It's true of you, sons and daughters. It's true of dads that we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Any amens? And you always have to remember that. That's a great balancing statement, truth, absolute truth from God. But your father is imperfect perfection. Now I say that as a lead-in to say this. I'm a really fortunate guy. I really am. You know why? number of reasons, but I'll give you one. I know why God created me. I understand my reason for existence. I understand what I'm supposed to do in life. I'm fortunate. Not everyone gets to find that. Though everyone does have that, seek God and find it. I never thought I would be a Bible teacher. I never thought I'd be a pastor. But I was born again for this thing. But within what I was born again for, every one of you has a certain bent or a slant on how you view life and how you're going to use how you view life to help everyone or anyone in your path. I know mine. I understand mine. Mine is making broken people whole. It's been this thing that resides inside of me because I, I've watched my own life and I've had to be brutally honest with me to get past, start to get past all the dysfunction of my childhood that I brought into my adulthood. And it almost ruined my marriage and it ruined relationships and it just really stifled me. But once I began to recognize, start putting things together, apply God's truth, then I started to see broken pieces put back together. I'm still on that path. I haven't finished. But I've taken that and it's been a real bent of my life as I help try to help people to see these things that some of the things that maybe I've seen to help broken pieces begin to be put back together. So with that said, for me, Father's Day, one of the big deals is try to repair relationship. Try to put families back together. Because the enemy, the devil, has been going after families since Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. Any amens? He's been trying to tear your family apart from that moment on. In Genesis 3... He separates the husband and wife. In Genesis 4, he separates the siblings. Cain kills Abel. In Genesis 3, they do not love God with all their heart, mind, soul, spirit, strength because they don't obey him. Therefore, in Genesis 4, they do not love their neighbor as themselves. He kills his brother. And you see the enemy start to fragment 
divide, distort families. And so I see one of my jobs is to look down deeper and to see these things as God has shown me and try to put things back together. And so when I look today at, at you know, dad's imperfect perfection, my main goal today is that for sons and daughters, no matter how old you are, and I'm going to take you through a long thing today um, of showing you these things. I shouldn't say long. I'm going to take you through an important journey of, of being able to look at this so you don't live your life just looking at the flaws. That's a pathetic, pitiful, putrid waste of life to live life just looking at imperfections and never seeing the good things in life because there are so many good things. Any amen? And I want to try to do some rep repair work for anybody who needs repair work uh, this day. So I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of dads. And, and all you dads out there that have lived, your kids are older now. Some of you are young dads. You have little kids. Wait till they're teenagers. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah, you think you know everything now, huh? Wait till then and then tell me how much you know. Because, boy, it's a different world. So we're going to look at a dad by the name of Noah. And most of you have heard of Noah, if not all of you heard of Noah. We know there was a global flood and God washed away all the evil, all the violence, all the immorality, everything that was going on because it was a messed up, upside down world. It was bad. So God washed us all the way through a global flood. By the way, the next time God does that, it will be not water. He will wash it all the way. It will be by fire. And that's going to be the end of all things. And we'll probably see that in our current series, The Last Calls. We're looking at the end times. And so there's this global flood in the days of Noah. God hasn't built a big carnival cruise ship that he's going to escape with him, his wife, his three sons, and their, their wives, and of course all the animals that God brings two by two, and then in sevens because they are the sacrificial animals as their sacrifices to God. Um. Now, somebody may think right now, okay, this is a problem I have with you Christians. You guys, how can you believe in a global flood? You guys, you just, it's make-believe stuff. Listen, my, friend, my faith is not based on make-believe. My faith and every bit of my faith is built on evidence and eyewitnesses to the account. Any amens? And your faith is too. Take, for instance, evidence, global flood. How do I even know there's a global flood? Any evidence? Yeah, you look for two things, rock layers and you look for fossils. And I'll give you a few things very quickly because this is not a teaching on Noah's flood. But rock layers. You take a cataclysm event and it can form rock layers very quickly. And volcanoes are going off during the flood. Everything was happens, rocking and rolling. You take a cataclysmic event like, say, Mount St. Helens of 40 years ago. That's small compared to Noah's flood. But in hours, not in millions of years, in hours, rock layers were formed. A small Grand Canyon was formed. Rivers were diverted in different direction. And that was in hours, guys. So you see these rock layers. Now, the other thing you look for is fossils. And what's interesting and fascinating is, about de decades ago, they found a T-Rex. And this is just not a very good specimen. Bad one. But in there, they found soft tissue. They found blood cells in there. Let me tell you what that means. That is not supposed to be possible if that thing died 65 million years ago. It's only possible if you dated back to 4,000 years ago at the, around the time of Noah's flood. It makes more sense. And by the way, if you ever visited the country or read up, you know there are fossil graveyards of 
um, of dinosaurs where they were all, there a bunch of them in there, they're articulated, which are all connected, but they're all washed in. They were washed there, bunches of them in fossil graveyards by a massive flood. That's how it happened. And they were covered in mud, this massive amount of water. And by the way, how many of you love the 395 drive up the backside of California? Anybody like that? I'm going to make you cameraman work now. How many like that? Just raise your hand again. I got to know. How many like that? I, I love that drive. It's so beautiful. It's so peaceful. If you've never taken it, what are you waiting for? Take that drive. Once you get through the desert, maybe you like desert. I'm not crazy about it. But once you get through the desert, start going up the backside of the high Sierras, you're in business. But you get to, I believe it's Independence. And there's a sign on the backside of Independence as you're going north. And it says, Bristol Cone Pine Forest. Has anyone ever noticed that sign? You notice that sign? You notice that sign? Anybody else ever notice that sign? We're the only ones. You've noticed that sign? Okay, you've noticed that sign? Okay, good, good. You're all going to heaven. One, two, three, five, okay. Now, amen, right? Now, I always wanted to visit it because I know something about the Bristol Cone Pine that I've read up when I do my creation versus evolution studies and things like that, especially Noah's Flood. The Bristol Cone Pine, and if you ever go there, you take that turn off. I'm warning you right now. You better have about four to five hours because you're going to go up what's called the White Mountains of Nevada. Once you get up in there, then there's a gate to the Bristol Cone Pine Forest. It's a national park kind of thing. Then you're going to drive from there about 15 to 20 miles like this, just like that. I'm not kidding. And then you finally get to the forest, and there's this reception center there, everything. And in that forest, there's one also in the Midwest, north part of the Midwest. Some of those Bristol Cone Pine date back 4,000 years. They are the oldest living things on planet Earth. They date back to the time around Noah's flood which is in perfect harmony with the flood, global flood, timetable, everything. So you take all these things, rock layers, fossils, all these things, and there's just a few things. Then the evidence is there of a global flood. Now Noah is called to build an ark. He's called to build this massive, big ship, and he's a very successful man. And I want to start off today by giving you four things about fathers from Noah's life. And then I want to take it to the other things I mentioned beforehand. So here we go. The first thing I want to show you about dads is this, about your dad. Number one, the first thing is he's a protector. Dads are protectors. Now watch, I'm going to read two verses here. In Genesis 6.22 it says, Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So he did. You know how, he built, how long he built that ark for? Over 100 years. Long time. Question, had it ever rained before? Louder? Never rained before. So can you imagine the ridicule he was getting when people say, what are you building there? A boat for what? What's well, going to rain? Oh, yeah, sure, buddy. It had never rained before. The earth was covered with a vapor canopy. It was a very different tropical world other than the one we know. Did you know right now they have discovered underneath in Antarctica, the southern side of the world, all covered in ice, under there they have discovered redwood forests under there. The world was tropical at one time. It's just that Noah's flood and every, all the climate changes, all that changed everything. So Noah's building this ark. And you can imagine the ridicule, but he knows that he's doing this because God told him. And secondly, because he's going to protect who? 7-7, seven, seven, here we go. Then Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him entered the ark because of the water of the flood. Who's he building for? His family. He's going to protect them. Now, how many know I'm a movie guy? Yeah, I like movies. How many of you like movies? Anybody like movies? Okay. Some movies I've seen so many times. I bet you I've seen Gladiator 75 times. 
I, I guarantee, I bet you. I bet, every time it's on, I don't care where it's at, I got to watch it. It's Gladiator, you know, it's, not my, it's my life story. But anyway. <laughs> the day I met Commodus in the ring. But anyway. Um, but I, there's, a, there's other movies I like a lot. Has anyone ever seen A Few Good Men? How many of you have seen it? Is that a great movie? I love the ending, right? The courtroom scene? You can't handle the truth. <laughs> but there's, here, let me tell you, in case you've never seen it, it's 20-some years old, I'm going to ruin it for you. It's about these three lawyers, and they're defending these two Marines. These guys, Marines, are charged with murder, carrying out a code red upon a fellow soldier in Guantanamo Bay in Getmo. They're now being defended by Demi Moore, Tom Cruise, and I can't remember the third actor's name. <laughs> but the third actor, he don't like the two guys because they, he says all they did was pick on a weaker guy and they killed him. But he's called to defend him, these three lawyers. And so one day this guy says to Demi Moore, who wants to defend these guys, is on their side. He says, why do you like them so much? And she says, because they stand on a wall and they say, no one's going to hurt you tonight, not on my watch. And he has nothing to say to that. It's so awesome. Let me tell you something about your dad. That's your dad. You will never remember this. It will, you'll only know this when it happens to you. We live in Southern California. We live in earthquake land. Any amens? Earthquakes hit. We don't know what time of the day, night, whatever it is. But can you remember, dads? I can remember. In the night, when an earthquake hit, and you have kids, what's the first thing you did? You get up and run. Now, you didn't run out the door and say, here's your pacifier, you're on your own, you're two, you can walk. You didn't do that. You ran to the kids' rooms. You ran to pick them up. They'll never remember because they're like, you know, they're out cold. But you grab one in one arm, you grab one in the other arm. If you have three, you grab one in one leg and you're hopping. But you're going to get out underneath the door frame or outside that house because the earthquake is hitting. And you did that as a father. Why? Because you're a protector. And your kids will never remember that until they have their own kids. And that's a fact. But that's just one little thing that your dad was on watch and he's always been on watch. And he's always had your best interest in mind. And he's always been a protector of who you are. And you got to remember that's what he is. And you may not even know this until you become a father. And then you find yourself doing the, Isn't it the worst thing when you're, as a dad, you said, they go, oh, my dad would have done that. Why am I doing that? Anybody ever do that before? That's something my dad, nobody did that? You've never said to yourself, that's something my dad would have done? My dad would have said? Am I talking to anybody in this room? Anybody? Yeah, okay. Okay, good. Yeah, okay. The second thing is this. Dads are providers. Dads are providers. Now watch Noah in Genesis 6, 21. He says, as for you, take for yourself some food of some of all food which is edible. Don't you love the line which is edible? How many know there's some food that is not edible like onions? How many agree with me on the onion situation? Why was that ever invented? I don't get it. Delicious. You know, my family harps on me all the time because I will not bite into even the smallest piece of onion. Because it's, it was like part of the fall of man. It's a demonic invention. I won't, it's, there's no way, it's not edible. I mean, and so, and that same goes for sushi, by the way. No, just, <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
now we're, now you got me mad, Jim. Oh, ooh, the sushi section. You know. And gather it to yourself, and it shall be for food for you and for them. Oh, so now we see dad's a provider. Let me tell you about your dad and all dads. <laughs> now, your dad used to be cool. He said, no, not my dad. No. No, my dad was never going, <laughs> no, your dad used to be cool. Trust me. When he was single and he, used to, and he asked your mom out before, he used to buy his own clothes. And he even had a cool haircut. Now, he's had the same haircut now since the 70s. We get it, okay? But he had a cool haircut. And he buys his own clothes. He goes, hey, baby, you want to go out? Your dad was cool. He had his own rap. Hey. He took your mom out. And while he's dating her and he looked good, then they get married, he still looked good. He still bought his own clothes for a while there. Change his hairdo every so often. And then after that, then he had kids. And something snapped in his head. All of a sudden... It didn't matter about him anymore. All of a sudden, he didn't go buy his own clothes anymore. His wife bought it. She, you know, you come home and say, Honey, look what I found you in the discount rack, 90% off at Kohl's. I got it for $1.15. You like it? Yeah, it's okay. I'll wear that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'll, that's what happened to your dad. He used to be cool, but that's what happened. You know why? Because your dad's a provider. It didn't matter about what he had anymore. It was about you now. Whatever you needed. Whatever would help you. Because, Mo, my kid's going to wear some good stuff. I don't care if what I look like, but I'm going to take care of my kid. Any amens on that? Yeah. Now let me drill down deeper. Just let me speak to some dads and some families. Listen at home. Some of your dads, they got sick. They developed a handicap, or maybe they were born with it. And they just, they couldn't work. It killed them on the inside. It killed them. Because they want to work, and they want to provide. Some of your dads, during times of recession, that bad one back in 08, 09, there wasn't work. Everything crashed, and they couldn't find work. Killed them on the inside. Couldn't find work. They wanted to work. Your dad wants to provide. You know why I know that? Whenever you do not understand or trying to figure out what's wrong with society, don't go to all the commentary. Go to the scriptures. All you have to do is go back into Genesis. And you find out how to live. In Genesis, we find that when God creates Adam and Eve, God makes a garden in Eden. Do you remember what God said to Adam about that garden? He put him in there. He said, you're to cultivate it and keep it. Was Adam supposed to work? Yes. A part of being human is that you work. I thank God for safety nets for people who are really handicapped, for war veterans. I thank God for that. But if you can work, guess what? Work. Go get a job. Don't complain about it. Just go work. And work your way up somewhere. Because that gives you dignity. That's part of being human. Your dad, 
He wants to work. And he wants to provide for you. And when he couldn't, through either physical disability or lack of employment opportunities due to a recession, it, used to, it kills him on the inside. You need to understand that. Because he wants to provide for you. He's a provider. The third thing I want to show you about your dad is he's a pillar. Now watch Noah's life. Genesis 7-11, it says this. In the 600 year of Noah's life, Noah's 600 years. Can you imagine how many wrinkles on that guy's face? Have you seen those commercials for that stuff? They, show the, they put that stuff on and all the wrinkles disappear. I don't see any difference between the before and after. Anybody with me on that? And if you bought that, God bless you. Okay, I'm not here to... Can, you say, oh, come on, Jim, 600 years. There are reasons why he could live 600 years. I don't have time for it now. But in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on the same day, all the fountains of the deep burst open. Did you know during Noah's flood that it rain didn't just come down, water didn't just come down from the sky, it burst open from the ground and all the water, the subterranean waters, that burst open and they came from both directions. Watch. And the floodgates of the sky were open. So it came from the earth and it came from the sky. It's coming. There's all kinds of water. Now I have a question for you. In this carnival cruise ship, is it possible because now you have change of climate, you have lightning, you got wind, the earth, it's all changing. And that ship, you know, the tiny ship was tossed and not for the courage of the fearless crew, you know, the Noah would be lost, the ark would be lost. But anyway, they stole that script from Noah. But can you imagine in, this, in that ship, in that boat, in that ark, you think possibly, just maybe, that Noah's wife and maybe the three daughter-in-laws and maybe even the three sons, they were a little nervous on the inside, anybody? I think they were. And I think even Noah might have been a little nervous on the inside too. But you know what's unique about a father? That no matter how bad it's getting, no matter how scary it looks, no matter how fat it's breaking down, a dad keeps a game face on. Have you ever noticed that? Say amen. He doesn't walk around like, what are we going to do? He doesn't do that. You don't want him to do that. You wouldn't have married him if he did that. You're like game face guy who keeps it under control. When things are falling apart, he's going to figure it out. Any amens? He's a pillar. That's, let me save some of your marriages right now, okay? When you sit there and you say, well, I want him to be more communicative. <laughs> I want him to share his emotions. Okay, but he's not going to be like you. You like him when he's Mr. Gameface and he handles it. But then you want him to turn around. Could you be more emotional? <laughs> you think he can make a shift that vast, that quick? No. He's not going to be that way. He can do a little, but he can't be all that way. You like him as Mr. Gameface handle things. So like him every which way he is. Any amens, guys? You really let me down on that right there. And the fourth thing is, uh, you know, about no, he's pure. This guy, this dad is pure. Now, wait, pure? Yeah, watch this. Genesis 6, 9. It says, these are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his Noah walked with God. I mean, I wish they could say that about me. Righteous, blameless, walked with God. That'd be a great, on your tombstone, that'd be outstanding, right? Now, let me tell you what I mean by Noah's pure. And this is, this is a, a Jim Dow Campbell phrase I'm using. You probably said it a different way or thought it a different way. But, see, your dad, when he was single, you know, there were some compromises in his life. You know, he wasn't responsible for anybody but himself. Then he gets married. And then he had you. 
When you popped out, by the way, you weren't as cute as they say you were. You ever see a baby come out? They're all, oh, yeah, it's like, so cute. No, they're really not, okay? They got to be cleaned up first. But when that your dad saw you, he said, not anymore. That compromise in my life, not anymore. That thing I'm doing in my life, not anymore. It's changed. I'm going to be a cycle breaker. I'm not going to bring this anymore. If it was in my family, I'm not bringing this with us. I'm going to break that cycle. I'm going to make a new good cycle. Not anymore. I can give you a real simple illustration of that. Before your kids came along, you'd watch movies at home, whatever channel, that you know, cable channel. There'd be 10, 15 F words in that movie. You and your wife, wife, it's okay. Your kid comes along. You going to put that movie on? Huh? Huh? Way. No. Who is it not anymore? Because I got it. my kid. I'm breaking the cycle. Not anymore. See, dad's living not anymore. Because they know I've got to pass on the right stuff to my kid. Now let me drill down deeper in this story. Noah is 600 years old. He has lived righteous, blameless, walked with God. And then... Something's going to happen. He's going to succumb to temptation. He's going to blow it big time. He's going to mess it up. And Mr. Perfect is going to now be imperfection. And one of his sons is going to gloat over that. All of a sudden, it's going to be, well, nothing is as solid as it appears. Dad, I thought he was so good, but I see the flaws now. Wow, good for you. Now, Genesis chapter 9 tells us where Noah makes his big mistake. And by the way, on the one side, aren't you glad the Bible doesn't pull any punches about the mistakes of the patriarchs? But on the other side, aren't you glad your mistakes aren't written in the Bible? Watch this. Genesis 9. I'm going to start at 19 to verse 25. Watch this dad who's righteous, blameless, walks with God. 600 years of it. It says, these three were the sons of Noah. And from these, the whole earth was populated. Then Noah began farming and planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk. And uncovered himself inside his tent. In other words, he's naked and drunk and passed out. Ham is one of the sons. The father of Canaan, Canaan is the grandson, son of Ham, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Oh, he couldn't wait to squeal. And the word saw, he saw his dad. You know what the word saw? The Hebrew word means, S-A-W? It means to look with satisfaction. How warped do you have to be to think, ah, oh, yeah, I see the flaws. Yeah, I see it. How warped in the head do you have to be? Verse 23. But Shem and Japheth, the two other brothers, took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders 
and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away, so they don't look at the dad. So they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine, in other words, he slept it off, he knew what his youngest son had done to him. He knew what Ham did. And here's what he says, and this is heavy. So he said, cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, he shall be to his brothers. Is that heavy or what? That's really heavy. Okay. Let me tell you the first, my first thought on this is this. Nobody wants to see their dad naked. Any amens? I mean, he looks in there and goes, ah, oh, yeah, I caught my dad. I mean, you look, I, I wish I'd never seen that, okay? Nobody wants to see that, but this guy's gloating over it. This guy, ah, oh, I caught dad now. I see the mistake in dad's life, yeah. Let me tell you three mistakes that boy makes that we need to not fall into as sons and daughters. And that is this. The first thing is he forgot. Ham forgot. What did he forget? He forget that dad was a protector, a provider, a pillar, and he was pure. He forgot all those things. And now he only sees the blemish. Now he only sees the problem. Now he only sees the flaws. He has shrunk down. Nothing is as solid as it appears. And that's all he sees. That's the danger zone, my friends. When all we see are the flaws in our parent, all we see are the flaws in our father, and we do not remember all the great and good things that he did. That's a danger zone. I know some of you are going, I have some rebuttals to you. I'm going to get to your rebuttals in a second. The second thing mistake he makes is he uncovers. He uncovers. He should have covered his dad. Instead, he can't wait to scream, oh, my dad this and my dad that. He goes to his, you know, by the way, he goes to tell his brother, dad's naked. You want to come and see? Can you imagine? Do you think that anybody wants to see your dad naked? Yes or no? Hey, guys, I'm going to go tell everybody, come and see my dad naked. I'd be like, I don't want to see your dad naked. How warped are you, man? The Bible says this. Give me the verse. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. Because love covers a multitude of sins. That's what a healthy person does. That's what a grown-up does. Ham didn't cover his dad. He just focused on the flaw. Not, not everything is, nothing's as solid as it appears. What do the two brothers do? They go in there, when Ham tells them what's up, they go catch, get a garment, blanket, whatever, and they don't look at dad. They, one on each side, they walk backwards, and they cover dad. They don't look at dad. They cover him. That's what a healthy person does. Not a squealer. Not like, oh, I found the flaw in my dad. Oh, here it is. When Adam and Eve sin and they do the makeshift fig leaves, what does God do? God takes animal skins. The assumption is God made a sacrifice to atone for their sins. God killed an animal and he covers them. Oh, that's a God thing, to cover sins. The word cover means to atone. Jesus atoned for us on the cross. His blood covers, cleanses away all of our sins. That's what a healthy person does. 
Ham, can't wait to tell everybody, oh, I'm going to tell about my dad. I'm going to squeal. Well, that's great. But a healthy person covers because they know they've been washed by the blood of Jesus, and they're covered too. The third mistake that Ham makes is this. He dishonors. He leaves his dad naked, and he goes and tells. He can't wait to tell. Now, don't miss the big deal about this, because in verse 25, we find because of this, that Ham's son, Canaan, will be cursed to be a servant of servants. Oh, it's heavy. You got to think about that one. Why would the son be cursed? Why would Ham's offspring be cursed? Because the best, best I can give you is this. Because Ham committed a sin as a son. And therefore, his son will suffer some consequences. Don't ever think that your decisions in life don't affect your offspring. Oh, they do. Okay, now I've got to deal with some rebuttals. Because <clears throat> I want to try to fix stuff in people's lives. Oh, Jim, you know, um, you don't know what my father was like. Yeah, you're right. I don't. Oh, Jim, you don't know what my father did to me. You're, you're, yeah, I, I know. I don't. I, I don't know. Oh, Jim, my dad left when I he didn't marry my mom. And she was pregnant. I wasn't even born. And he took off. Never, never sent a penny to help us out. Never visited. Nothing. I don't even know where he's at. I don't even want to know where he's at. Yeah, I don't. I, I can't imagine your pain. Well, Jim, I was 10 years old, you know, and, you know, my dad, you know, there was, I had three other siblings, I'm the oldest at 10, and my dad, he left the family, he left us. We had to grow up in poverty, we had to grow, it was terrible, and I had to be the man of the family. I was parentified. Yeah, I, I didn't, yeah, I, I can't understand that. But here's the thing. You can walk through life. And you can. It's your decision. You can walk through life bitter, angry, rageful, unforgiving. You, you can walk through life. It's, you could do that all you want. But you're going to pass it on. See, the best thing you can do on Father's Day and for the rest of your life is to forgive your father from your heart. I share, I've shared this so many times. I have to say it every time. In my 30s, very angry as a 30-some-year-old because my dad was an alcoholic. And when I say every day, I mean every day. I'm not exaggerating that. I was angry. And one day I heard a preacher on the radio, Jack Hayford, Pastor Jack. And he said, uh, honor your father. And I'm like, you know, how do I do that? He said, if you have nothing to honor him with, Honor him with forgiveness. Now that I can do that, I could do that. Because you see, that's going to help me. It'll get rid of my bitterness, my rage, my anger, my disrespect towards male authority figures, and I had that pretty bad. And that's what you got to do. That's how you honor let me take it a step. Let me drill down further just to make sure we understand what I'm saying this Father's Day because I want to reconcile. 
I want to fix. I want to heal broken pieces. Let's just say, and I pray this is not true, but let's just say that you have so much disdain for your father and you don't know where he's at. You don't see him. You, know, you think you know where he's at. And you thought to yourself, if I ever saw him, I would beat his face in. And you're filled with anger and bitterness and rage and this and that. I would seek justice, man. And let's say one day you did see him. And you went up to him and you just unloaded and beat him and beat him because you're a grown man now. After you walk away and go, I got justice. After you got justice with your rage and your anger and your unforgiveness and your bitterness, what are you left with now that you've taken justice? Rage and anger and bitterness and unforgiveness. Justice doesn't eliminate that. Don't kid yourself. That's why God carries out justice as a perfect, loving God. That's the only way to do it. Otherwise, you're not healed. All you've done is passed on to your kids. More anger, more rage, more unforgiveness. That's all you've done. Let me show you a couple verses that weren't, in, I added them yesterday. But Isaiah 58, 12. Watch, just please, please watch. And those of you who are younger and you've, you're angry towards a parent, please listen to what I'm saying. Those from among you. Who is those from among you? Your kids, your grandkids, those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. If you follow me on Facebook, I talked about this yesterday in my live feed. I want my kids to be rebuilders, razor-uppers, repairers, and restorers. I want that. So that a deal with me. Now, I wish I could have dealt with me a lot sooner in my life, but I can't go back. But you, young person, however old you are, that's what you're supposed to be, a repairer, a razor-upper, a restorer. But you'll never be that if you walk around with bitterness and anger. You're just going to try to inflict pain on everybody else. And then those from among you, your offspring, they're going to be angry and bitter and unforgiving and they'll never be a restorer, repairer, or a razor-upper. Is that really what you want? Or do you want to break the cycle and start a new good cycle? Any amens on that? That's what you want. But it starts with you. You know, it's amazing to me. It's amazing how smart God is. But I want, you, I want to give you the context to see the magnitude of this verse. The last verse of the Old Testament, Malachi 4, 6. Last verse, very last statement of God, Old Testament, Jewish scriptures. And then there's 400 years of silence. They call them the silent years where there's no inspiration, no writing about God. 400 years between Old and New Testament. The last words of the Old Testament are this. This is talking about John the Baptist to come in the spirit and power of Elijah. It says about John the Baptist, He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children. And the hearts of the children to their fathers. So that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. That's heavy. You know the facts. 
You know the fatherlessness in America and world? And you know what it causes? It's epidemic. It's epidemic. And God says, I've come to restore. I've come to bring the family back together. Sons and daughters, you can live in the curse. You can stand forgiving. You can keep your anger. And you can justify yourself all the way to the grave. Now, God's not going to go, oh, yeah, it's good. He's not going to do that. Or you can forgive. And you can release. And you can become a restorer, a rebuilder, a raiser up. And a repairer. It's up to you. It's up to you. Now, let me, let me drive this home, okay? I'm almost done. Jim, you say that all the time. You know what bothers me about the story? There's a few things, but I'll give you one. As I thought about the story about when Noah got drunk and passed out in there naked, I thought, you know, he must have come in from farming in his vineyard, had dinner, started drinking some of this. And by the way, um, you got to think about conditions of the earth. Beforehand, it was a vapor canopy. After the flood, there's no more vapor, vapor canopy, and the sun's hitting. So maybe fermentation now happens because of the sun, and it speeds up fermentation, and the, and the grapes turn into, in a sense, wine, right? That's possible. I don't know if it's how it happened, but it's possible. So it's a new thing to Noah, and he gets drunk. But he's coming from work, he starts drinking, he gets drunk, he strips off his clothes, and he passes out in his tent for the night. So Ham comes, looks in, in the darkness, sees dad naked in there, can't wait to squeal and tell. I, I can't wait to tell. Oh, my dad, I see the flaws. What bothers me is this. He sees his dad in the dark. What bothers me is this. Noah the father protected Ham the son in the ark. But Ham, the son, didn't protect Noah, the dad, in the dark. Did you hear what I said? The good that was done to Ham was not paid back. Ham paid back evil for good. Poor boy, man. And his descendants would suffer. Okay. <clears throat> Let me give you last thoughts on that. So, uh, have you ever thought about this, that um, this ark that Noah builds? Do you know that it had no rudder and no sail? Did you know that? Had you ever seen that before? He's getting into an ark with no rudder and no sail. That's what fathering's a little bit about. Your dad stepped into this father role. You were born. He didn't have a rudder. He didn't have a sail. It's like, how do I do this? There's a lot of guessing. Any amens? Then the ark lands on Mount Ararat, and the world that was before, according to Peter in the New Testament, is not the world that is now. He steps out to a whole different climate, whole different, uh, uh, there were mountains, there were valleys. It was just different. It was harsher. And he walks into a new world with the family. That's your dad. He walks into this, I got a kid? It's a whole new world. What do I do with this thing? going to make a lot of, lot of good moves. They're going to make some mistakes. But the question this morning is this on Father's Day. Listen to me at home. 
You can sit there and you can look at all the flaws and focus on that and be bitter the rest of your life. Have at it, man. Teach your kids that. Or you can be a grown-up. You can be a follower of Christ and you can forgive in your heart. Forgive everybody, by the way. Forgive and walk in newness. Break old cycles, make new cycles of life. And focus on the solid things of dad. Protector, provider, pillar, pure. That, that's, the, that's the whole point uh, of today. Okay, la last story. Want one more story? You sure? Okay, I was 16 years old. This is like 14 years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> Almost a half century ago. And uh, me and my two friends, one of our my friends had taught us how to steal. I'm 16, 1972. And we stole expensive items, specifically 8-track tapes. <laughs> don't you wish you had those now? Some of you are going, what's an 8-track tape? You don't even want to know, okay? And we'd go down to, um, how many remember on La Sierra and Magnolia there was a white front? Anyone remember the white front down there? Anybody? No one? I'm the only one? Do you remember? You remember? Okay. We'd go there. You walk in white front. You hard right inside the store. There's a the music department right there. All the A-tracks were there. And the albums. Call it vinyl now. And we'd steal these tapes. We wore big white t-shirts and Levi 501s because all you had back then was 501. There was nothing else. We'd get the A-track tapes, move the ones we want down. You know, deep purple, Led Zeppelin, whatever it was. Move it down, move it down. We'd go be, and finally get it. We're looking, putting it behind a a rack there, and then we'd get it and we'd stick it down our pants, put the t-shirt over. We got away with this a couple times, different, two different occasions. I think it was the third time we went for the record. My buddy stuffed four A-tracks down his pants. How he did it, I don't even know. I stuffed three down that day. He beat me. My third buddy didn't stuff anything down his pants. What a coward. I didn't know that there was a security whatever guy, theft management turned, watching us because they were noticing things missing. We thought, he stole it. We, I remember, I, I'll never forget. 16 years old. Walked out the store, probably one step, two steps. They get me. And they turn me and he goes, hand over those tapes. And like a smart 16-year-old, I said, what tapes? He goes, hand them over now. Why he took those in his hand, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> he handcuffs me to my buddy, Tom Hawkins. I was so embarrassed. Outside the store, who's watching? Who's seeing this? And then maybe march to the store, him and I. I remember we stayed like this close so nobody could see the handcuff. They take me to the back room, him, me and my buddy. Because my third buddy had nothing on him, so he got to, he got to go. The police come in. And the policeman begins to tell me all about prison life and what they would do in there to a pretty boy like me. <laughs> I didn't really like what they would do to me, and so I decided I'd never steal again <laughs> because I really don't want to live that way, okay? They call my parents. Thank God my mom answered the phone. 
She comes down there. You know, I have kind of a hard face at times. That's why I practice smiling all the time because I can be a serious face. It's nothing compared to my mother's. You know, I can squint my, like this. My mom was a champion. She, I remember she walked in. I said, oh my gosh, my life is over. They released me to her in the car. She says, I didn't tell your dad. I didn't believe in Jesus, but I go, thank you, Jesus. We go home. I'm cool. Everything's cool. About 10 days go by. My dad says, hey, Jimmy. Because, you know, your parents call me Jimmy. They always add the Y to your name. I'd, I'd rather be called Jimmy than Jim, by the way. Just letting you know. It just sounds younger. Jimmy. I go, yeah, dad. Because uh, were you in Riverside uh, last week? I don't know. He goes, uh, you weren't uh, getting some A-track tapes? Yeah. Because, yeah, the probation officer called. Uh, and I remember the day came. My dad, we loaded up in the car. My dad and I we went to Riverside to go see the probation officer. So I'm sitting in this room there in downtown Riverside. You know, you're 16. You think they're going to throw me in jail, you know. And I don't remember what was said in the room. I, I, I remember being in the room, but I do remember one thing my dad said in the room to the probation officer. He said, you know, sometimes kids do stupid things. They just do dumb things. And I'm like, I'm stupid. But that's all I remember. And then they let us go. And my dad never brought it up again. Never brought it up again. I thought, wow. That was pretty cool of my dad. I can sit there and just remember all the bad nights as a kid when my dad was drunk and the screaming and the throwing things. I can remember that and I can choose to focus on that. I can. But at a certain point in my life, I said, I, I can't do this anymore. I'd rather focus on some of the good stuff, like that day, like what my dad did that day. I'd rather focus on when he used to take me to the Angel Games, Chavez Ravine, when the Angels played at Dodger Stadium. I'd rather focus on that. I'd rather focus on when he'd be in the driveway and I'm a little eight-year-old kid with a hardball and he's on his knees and I'm pitching to him. He's teaching me how to pitch. I'd rather focus on that. So I got an option. I can focus on the solid parts of my dad or I can focus on the poorest flaws of my dad. And depending on what I focus on is going to be if I heal up or if I walk and hurt. I'll either get better or I'm going to get bitter. It's just, and everybody's got that option. So I challenge you, sons and daughters, forgive. In your heart, just forgive. Honor them. Let's make these things right. For your own health, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, so you don't pass that to your kids. So you can restore some things. Make broken pieces whole. Stand up with me today, this Father's Day. Let's make it a good, a good Father's Day. We're going to, I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing a song. You guys want to sing one more song? Okay, good, because I do too. So let's pray. God, especially Father's Day, 
I, I pray that we make turns in our heart. The things that have been lodged would be dislodged in the spiritual realm. Where no more Satan has a field day with our minds and our attitudes towards a parent. To disrupt, to divide, to disconnect. No more will we justify our anger. No more would we rehearse old bruises in our emotions. Because that accomplishes nothing. But we'd be free to honor our Father. We'd be free. And like I said earlier, if you have nothing to honor him with, honor him with forgiveness. That'll heal you up. Because you don't want to pass these things on to your kids. And you say, I want, oh, yes, you will if you don't fix things the right way because God is way smarter than you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.